0: Well, hello, everyone. My name's JB with Not By Works Ministries. It is Wednesday, May 17th, and that means it's time for another World Events Update with uh, our good friend Randy, who I'll bring on in just a moment. Uh, But I wanted to just uh, give you a couple quick updates and then take a look at a passage of Scripture. Uh, I am coming to you today not from the uh, studio beneath the sky there nestled in the tall timbers of Colorado, but instead from the road as I'm heading back from Oklahoma City with uh, my Wonderful wife, uh, Wendy, of 31 years. We had a fantastic visit with Mondo Gonzalez, Gary Stearman, Bob Ulrich, and the crew there in Oklahoma City. Uh, did several interviews, uh, over two hours, I think, combined of interviews that will be airing here in the coming weeks. Uh, also had the privilege of uh, doing a Not by Works podcast with Mondo. He graciously gave up uh, his time. And we did a podcast on Monday called UFOs, Aliens, and Nephilim. And that has been posted already. <clears throat> to the Not By Works uh, site. If you have not listened to that, it's audio only, but boy, you need to go back and check that out. We touched on a variety of topics that are uh, right up my alley, especially in these great last days when so much is happening in the paranormal world. And uh, you know, a week ago on Tuesday at Prophecy Night, we talked about UFOs. And of course, this week, we did not have Prophecy Night yesterday because of my trip but we'll pick up again next week with some more paranormal discussions and how there's an upsurge in that uh, as the cosmic struggle between good and evil seems to be spilling over more and more into the earthly temporal realm. But really enjoyed that discussion with Mondo. I hope you'll check that out, and more to come, of course, uh, with our good friends there at uh, Prophecy Watchers. Don't forget uh, the conference this fall in October there in Norman, Oklahoma. Uh, you, you can go to uh, prophecywatchers.com and learn more about that conference, or watchersweekend.com is the website for the conference. I'll be speaking twice at that uh, event. Uh, but a couple of other resources that are out there since we last uh, talked. Um, don't forget the uh, my message from Sunday, has uh, gotten a little bit of traction there from the book of Acts as we wind down that study. This one was called Filled with Joy. And I hope that's uh, something that will be a blessing to you as you watch that uh, video. Also, have an article up there uh, kind of along a similar theme in our devotional page called Friends Through Thick and Thin. If you haven't read that yet, it's a short read. I encourage you to check that out. And then uh, we've got some a couple of exciting uh, podcasts coming up Thursday and Friday this week. Trying to make up for not having prophecy night, uh, appreciate your patience on on that as we you know had to skip a week because of my travels. But uh, our discussion with Randy today will certainly be well worth the wait. And then tomorrow, Thursday, I'm bringing on a new guest, new to not by works anyway, but a longtime friend of mine, just a brilliant Bible scholar. And you know what I try to do sometimes as topics come up in my discussions with other colleagues or questions that I get from the audience. Uh, I'll think about people I know that are sort of experts in that field, and try to bring them on uh, to pick their brain and and you know allow them to be a benefit to the Not By Works family. And my friend Brad is really an expert in uh, topics like uh, the origin of Satan's fall, the timing of it, uh, other fallen angel issues related to the Nephilim. He did his dissertation work on uh, the relationship. The books of Enoch to angelology and what we can learn from them, even though we know, of course, the apocryphal books of Enoch are not inspired, they're not the Word of God, they're not infallible by any means, but they have some fascinating historical data. So, I'm going to bring Brad on tomorrow to talk about uh, more about the Nephilim and Satan's fall, and you will really enjoy listening to him. And then on Friday, we've got my good friend Shane, the technology expert, coming back on to give us some updates on not just AI, but also... A variety of other kind of developments in the realm of hacking and tracking humanity. I am hard at work on my next book, Spirit of the False Prophet, Hacking and Tracking Humanity. And so this is the kind of topics that are running through my mind. And so Shane will kind of walk through a few topics with me and give us his studied opinions on these things. But today, I want to turn our attention to the book of First Corinthians before we bring Randy on. One quick verse. Or actually, for context, we'll pick up a couple of verses. But uh, in First Corinthians chapter fifteen, Paul here writing during his third uh, missionary journey, writing from Athens, he he writes to the believers there in Corinth, and he's coming to the end of the first letter here, first letter that we have in Scripture anyway. He wrote three uh, to, or at least three to the Corinthians, but he says in First Corinthians fifteen verse fifty. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption behold i tell you a mystery we shall not all sleep but we shall all be changed uh, in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet so that's actually 3 verses verses 50 to 52 and this of course is one of the famous rapture passages that speaks to that sudden catching up of believers the harpazo that's uh, first revealed in First Thessalonians chapter 4 but he uh, he uses this word behold to kind of grab the readers attention. The word behold in Greek is a word that means something along the lines of, look, see, listen, you know, pay attention. This is something very important. And so he gets their attention, and then, of course, he goes right into, I tell you, a mystery. Now, a mystery in Scripture is not something that is mysterious in the sense of hard to understand, the way we might think of solving a mystery today, but a mystery in the New Testament uh, was something that presented information that had been previously concealed but now is being unveiled or revealed not something that's concealed now it's not like he's speaking in code language and you've got to decipher it and you know that kind of thing it's it's no this is something that we previously had never revealed but now god is revealing and indeed this is a powerful mystery and what that mystery was is that not everyone is going to die some people will be raptured. He had talked about that in 1 Thessalonians 4, so that's not the mystery per se. The specific mystery here is the next phrase, and that is, we shall all be changed in a moment. Well, what's he talking about there? Well, he's talking about the fact that some believers, the ones who don't die, will have to receive their glorified bodies another way, not through resurrection, like he talked about in 1 Thessalonians 4, when the dead in Christ rise first to receive their glorified bodies, Remember, of course, that all believers of all ages, the moment you die, go to be in the presence of the Lord. There's no such thing as soul sleep or losing consciousness. You immediately pass from this life into the next to be in the presence of the Lord. Scripture is very clear about that. But the issue here is what happens to the bodies? Because as Paul had said, flesh and blood cannot ultimately inherit the eternal kingdom, the new heaven and the new earth. So you know, what's the situation going on with our flesh and blood? Well, we, if we are not one of those who dies and goes the way of all flesh, we will receive in a moment that a special glorified body. We will be changed uh, in a moment. And so that phrase moment is the one that caught my eye this morning as I was reading. It's the Greek word atomos. If we were to transliterate it into English letters, it would be A-T-O-M-O-S, and it's where we get the English word Adam. And what does atamas mean? Well, it means indivisible, uh, uncut. Uh, It is, of course, what we think of when we think of an atom. It's the only time that word is used in the entire New Testament, and it's used to describe that instant when the Lord comes back and we meet Him in the air. What a moment! That will be, you know, sometimes we think about the rapture and we see these artists' depictions or Hollywood depictions and you see, you know, people gradually floating up into the sky and it's a prolonged experience. That's not the way the Bible describes it. It is uh, so instantaneous that the word Adam is used, uh, the English word you might say, is used there to describe it. And it's it's that fast, just a split second. He goes on to describe it using a metaphor of the twinkling of an eye, which is to say the blinking uh, of an eye. And so uh, as we think about all that's going on in the world today, and we recognize uh, how rapidly things are disintegrating, uh, or to use Robert Bork's old phrase, slouching toward Gomorrah in America especially, but really globally the signs are all over the place, we need to remember that it's it's not going to take but a split second, an atomos for us to meet the Lord face to face, and uh, what a day that will be! The blessed hope, uh, the soon coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's why it's we're repeatedly enjoined in Scripture to eagerly wait for it because we don't know when it's going to happen. Uh, obviously, if the Rapture were going to happen at a prescribed time, like many. Uh, misinformed Bible students suggest, oh, it's going to happen at this point during the tribulation, or at this point during the tribulation, or it's going to happen after the tribulation, and they put it in within the midst of a sequence of events, then we would not be told to eagerly wait for it. You don't eagerly wait for something you know that's not going to happen for, you know, seven years or three and a half years, but we eagerly wait for it precisely because it is imminent, could happen at any time, and when it does, it will happen at a split second, a twinkling of an eye. And Paul concludes, by the way, this chapter in 1 Corinthians with these words Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And so that's just a great encouragement to me to keep on keeping on, to recognize that uh, as uh, difficult as things may seem to be getting, God still wins in the end. That never changes. His word is infallible. And it's an exciting time uh, to be alive. So, Randy, uh, thanks for joining us today. Welcome back to the program. It's been a while. We've been on the road, and uh, we haven't talked for a few days. So uh, I missed you, brother, and I can't wait to hear what's uh, what's going on in the world today.
1: Well, and we missed you, too, because, like always, we have some questions for you at the end. And Great. we uh, we always like to spring a few on you just to see if you're as good as we know you are. So, just <laughs> well, be thinking what we might be coming up with. So,
0: well, I don't want to disappoint you, so don't get your hopes up.
1: <laughs> well, you haven't yet. So, you know, we're, we're hopeful that it'll go like it has before. Anyway, all right. I want to remind everybody that 45 days from now, FedNow comes into effect. I know we are all waiting with bated breath to see what it's going to be like, what it's going to do. And a um, couple of things I want to interject right here. Fed now, and the CBDC for the United States is based on the United States still being the reserve currency of the world. Now, the problem is the BRICS nations meet next month. We know that they're looking at their own currency. We know that they would love to upset us and take over that spot. And the Chinese in the last couple of days have said they want their yuan to be the currency that everybody picks. Now, is that possible? I don't know. The U.S. dollar is prevalent throughout the world. Let's face it. Uh, We're broke. We have very little standing as far as an economy goes, but we'll see. But some things that you should be concerned about. Doing my research for this week, I found that uh, we have what are called G7 countries. Canada, Great Britain, France, Germany, the United States, etc. What I found out that uh, Canada has no goal. Absolutely none in their reserves in their central bank. They have 70 ounces of gold, period. Now, how a G7 nation is going to compete on the world stage when the BRICS nations and everybody else are going to be on a gold standard that makes no sense to me. Unless they're going to be absorbed by somebody else. Unless they're just not going to play the game. I I don't know. I haven't gotten a good answer on that yet. But keeping them up, back of your mind that the United States supposedly had 25,000 tons of gold at one time. Uh, that hasn't been audited in years, and rumor is there's no gold left. There's none at Fort Knox. there is none at the Federal Reserve, and that we are in no better shape than Canada. So we're never going to know unless they do an audit and they do one where the uh, gates are open basically for everyone to see like we did many, many years ago. But keep in mind that we know we can't trust the FBI now after the fiasco with Trump. We know we can't trust the CIA. The IRS, we've never trusted. So is there a government agency or a politician anywhere in America we would trust? Um, I think the days of trusting in our government are gone. I think we have some real problems coming. We'll get into that in a couple of minutes. But yeah. um
0: yeah i mean it's it's uh you know when you talk about uh fort knox and so forth remember ron paul for years was trying to get them to audit uh the fed and to open up the gates to fort knox and just you know show me the money so to speak um the interesting thing today when you talk about not trusting the government by the way we have in our dvd series what in the world is going on one of the eight dvds in that series is can we trust the government and i go through a long history of examples where the government has done some pretty stunning things that most people aren't aware of against its own citizens—not just lies, but actual harm. But anyway, that's what in the world's going on. That's available as a streaming set or DVDs. But if you think about all that's going on with AI, Randy, uh, it's not inconceivable that you know they could say, "Okay, okay, you you forced our hand. We'll go ahead and show you the gold in Fort Knox." And they'll create an AI picture for all the world to see of all these stacks of bullion in Fort Knox and say, see, there you go. Now be quiet. So it's getting to the point where careful what you wish for, because they can create their own alternative universe using AI, and we won't know whether what we're looking
1: at is real or not. And that's a good point, because right now we don't know what to believe. We are seeing that the Biden family is involved in bribery money laundering, sex trafficking, but I don't see much being done about that to take care of that problem. Uh, Kamala Harris, uh, if they ever start on her, for crying out loud, we don't know what they're gonna do, but the point is we cannot trust anybody anymore that's in the government. I mean, if you had something occur and you needed help, who would you go to? Can you trust the local governments, local police departments, some areas? Of course you can, some you can't. But here are the problems that are really um, making me wonder just exactly where we're at. Everybody knows that the 5G system is coming out for phones and electronics, and it goes live in September. Now, what should concern everybody is that the frequencies that they are going to use for 5G, the spectrum is going to be 3300 through 3400 megahertz, excuse me. That was a ham channel. They made the hams move to a different channel. Now, that wouldn't be a big deal because it's a fairly wide band bandwidth. But when you stop and look at it, the Department of Justice and the Department of um, the Army use that same frequency for search and surveillance. Now, why would you put those on the same bandwidths? Mm-hmm. Unless, of course, you wanted to very easily monitor everything that come across the bandwidth so there again as soon as your phone says it accepts 5g you just lit up you're just right now you're going to be part of their system now that may or may not have health consequences supposedly 5g is not good for your body we'll see but for somebody to go to all the trouble to move the ham radio operators from one um spectrum to another and then put that stuff so close together Makes me extremely nervous, especially when you look at the 2000 aerial surveys the United States has completed in the last 60 days. Now, we have topographic maps. We have all kinds of maps of the United States. It's well mapped.
0: Well, we had uh, lost Randy there for a second, so Randy, uh, pick back up with what you were talking about there about the frequencies and, and so forth. Uh, apologize for that. This is uh, when I'm not in my uh, my studio at the office, uh, we're kind of at the mercy of the bandwidth of the hotel, and apparently the bandwidth here is uh, less than ideal, but hopefully we can get through. But Randy, go go ahead. Continue.
1: Okay. Well, we're talking about the bandwidth and moving the ham radio operators over to a different frequency altogether. So that means every ham that's using the nine centimeter band is now, or band has got to go somewhere else. Now, when when you have the military and the 5G network that close, what's the reasoning for it? I mean, unless it's surveillance, listening into everything, being able to filter everything with the same radios. I mean, so just plan on them being able to listen to everything you're doing, period. Now, then we were talking about briefly about the surveys. We had the disabled veterans in New York City moved from one hotel to another one because they needed room for the migrants. Now, this is a theory that's popping up out there right now. It's a conspiracy theory, so we won't know what it is for 30 days or until some brave person comes forward. But they are saying that they are going to be moving a lot of the troublemakers into certain areas and um, building facilities for them. Now, we know that they have some of these regional camps because I've seen one myself. When I was down working Hurricane Katrina, there was a brand new facility there that surrounded by barbed wire. Nobody was there. I didn't think anything about it until I stepped out, walked about 20 feet closer to the fence. And all of a sudden, a troop carrier full of armed troops came around the corner asking what I needed. So we know they have So we don't need to debate that because I've seen that. So if you have between 1 and 30 million immigrants that you need to place somewhere, where are they going to place them? You're going to have to have housing for them. You're going to have to have an infrastructure for them. And we all know they're coming when they're going to take the dissidents, the Christians, the conservatives, the gun owners. And if we don't agree, we don't go along our rights are going to be abrogated, period. We know that's coming. The FDIC has said they want to take the money. Joe Biden on November 21st of last year said that if you're a conservative, God-believing, gun-toting American, you're a terrorist. Well, I would take issue with that. But then, you know, Joe's got his own, uh, I guess, thoughts in between ice cream cones and diaper chains. (laughs) So anyway, we... um,
0: Yeah, speaking of uh, AI and how they can fake stuff, I actually saw a video recently of Biden walking up a flight of stairs perfectly. He never stumbled one time. Clearly an example of of AI uh, manipulation.
1: I hate it when you do that because you always do that just as I'm drinking something. We had talked briefly about different types of reality last week. Now, I'm going to go over this briefly again, because then I'm going to show you how this is becoming more and more an everyday thing. Okay, so we have based reality, which is based in fact. If there's a tree in front of you, there's a tree in front of you to have somebody beside you saying, well, it doesn't have many leaves. And you say, well, yes, it does. That's your perception. That is not based reality. That is a perception. So understand reality is actually a tangible or seeable object, thing, or place. Then we have simulated reality, and that's usually simulated by a computer, and you can't separate it out of actual reality very well. Virtual reality allows one to experience a certain experience or circumstances or an area, and it approaches reality very closely. You can make it almost look lifelike. Then there's augmented reality, which is artificial reality adding to the existing reality. In other words, enhancing your experience. Now, the reason I bring this up is because Apple is coming out with a new uh, reality set, handset, uh, eye goggles, whatever you want to call it. And it's going to be out in the next couple of months. And it's called the Reality Pro VR. Now, supposedly, this will be as close to reality. It's going to be virtual, be as close to reality as you can possibly get. Uh, It's going to replace the iPhone. It's going to replace some of the computers. Basically, it's going to interface with the electrical impulses in your brain into your computer, phone, or whatever you're using. So we don't need to worry about Durlink. We don't even need the graphene oxide. We're going to do it through glasses. Mm. So just remember, The more we get into this stuff, the more people are going to lose track of reality, the based reality, based on fact. We went through Project Gateway. We went through Bluebeam. I'm sure Shane will mention some things when he's in here. And they're taking your minds. They're convincing you of their story. And pretty soon, you're not going to know what to believe, what not to believe, and who's right. So make sure you know now, who you are where you are what you believe because the lines are going to be blurred very quickly
0: yeah and i yeah. don't want to i don't want to get too far afield from uh, what you're talking about here but there's an interesting corollary to this virtual reality and 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 so forth when it comes to language and you know satan's ultimate goal is to destroy truth Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy. So they are kind of polar opposites there. He's an imposter by definition. Paul said he sometimes masquerades as an angel of light. So you talked uh, very well here about the, the different views of reality and how Satan is creating a false reality, but we all also saw over the last few decades uh, with the onset of postmodern thinking, uh, kind of a creation of a uh, separate language system where the meaning of words is completely lost. You know, it's it's political correctness, it's, uh, you know, meaning is in the mind of the listener or the reader, words no longer have inherent meaning, and it, therefore it makes it very difficult to even have conversations. you know, you critical thinking, analytical skills are really of no use when words don't have meaning, and someone can say something and uh, and yet you get to assign meaning to what they're saying. So on every front, I guess what I'm saying, Randy, is that we see the devil attacking reality. In the language realm, it's it's called the correspondence theory of truth that words have to have have, of course, have to correspond to a actual reality. Uh, and uh, and so we see this uh, we see this happening everywhere, uh, and it, to me it's just one more sign of the times.
1: Well, Satan is trying to drive a wedge everywhere he can. Now, a question that just come up that we uh, this is going to be a surprise, but I'm sure you know the answer. Genesis twenty eight twelve I believe is the correct one, where it's Jacob's ladder, showing the angels ascending into heaven, coming down from heaven. Now, is that what? as Christians, is that something we would consider a portal? Or was that, that just a dream specifically provided for Jacob? What do you yeah, think? I mean,
0: the, the text calls it a dream, so we'll just let the text right. answer for itself. Uh, verse 12 says, then he dreamed, and behold the ladder." Um, but I do think we have other examples where well first of all let's define portal a portal has come to refer to those that the the mechanism by which a person can leave this realm of time space and matter and go to another dimension right well yes we know that happens in the sense of you know fallen angels coming uh from uh, outside this realm into the realm of the materialistic realm uh, the corporeal realm of physical physicality um and we've seen uh, Paul, for example, telling the story of how he was caught up into the third heaven. So we know biblically the concept exists. Uh, the Bible doesn't necessarily use the word portal, but the concept is there. So I would say, uh, you know, I don't think that that's necessarily an example of that in Genesis with Jacob, but we have other examples in Scripture.
1: But you would consider a portal being something that is actually there, is an actual thing, Right not I just do. somebody's I, figment, imagination? Oh, no question. Yeah,
0: I do believe it. And I believe it It relates to geography. I think there are certain places in this created realm that are more prone to entrances and exits uh, from this dimension into another dimension. Now, we believe it's all spiritual. And as I mentioned, there are biblical examples of this. Um, but we also see with some of these uh, recent reports uh, from top-level uh, uh, you know, admirals and, uh, you know, servicemen and women ab- aboard ships and, and uh, planes and so forth, that these unidentified anomalous phenomena, the UAPs, are, you know, disappearing into portals in the sea, disappearing into portals in the sky. We have other examples of cryptids that we've talked about before that will be walking along and all of a sudden just disappear into thin air. I think uh, essentially anytime a demonic or evil spirit shapeshifts out of sight, they have essentially gone through a portal. doesn't mean they're all portals, because they can do that anywhere, but we have too much evidence that there are specific, like Skinwalker Ranch, for example. I know you've studied that a lot, so have I. There are places on the ranch where it just seems like something opens up and and things uh, go through it.
1: Yes. Okay. Well, thanks for clarifying that. Okay. Let's talk about Russia for a minute. Uh, We're all getting conflicting reports. What's going on in the Ukraine? Uh, There are no Western reporters, correspondents or anything in the Ukraine at this time. So we have to rely on the foreign news. Uh, Listening to Scott Ritter, Colonel McGregor, some of the others really know a lot about that. They say there are a million Russian troops that have already begun the fight that the Wagner Group is handling the Bakhmut area. Supposedly, there's a little bit of animosity problems going on between Putin and or however you pronounce his name. One should remember that the Wagner Group is actually a part of the Russian army. They are not a totally autonomous group. They are under the control and the direction of the Russian army. So if Prigozhin, whatever his name is, doesn't like where he's at, he should get out because he's not going to change anything. But the ground is starting to dry up. The Russians are ready to move. Most of the fighting has been done by the Wagner group, and there are one million fresh troops with fresh ammo, fresh material, and they are ready to move. Now, the other day, supposedly a large ammo dump belonging to the Ukrainian was blowing up, and supposedly there were some of the british uh depleted uranium rounds there i don't know if that's true or not it sounds to me a little far-fetched but it could be um trying to use that saying that gamma radiation has been released into the atmosphere um i highly doubt it from a depleted uranium round now could be could be they hit something else who knows but the uh Let's see, the United States gave the uh, Ukrainians two Iron Dome systems. One has already been destroyed by the Russians. They took that out at one blitzkrieg. And now we have the other one there supposedly working. And my question is, six months ago, when we first started these podcasts, the United States had those two Iron Dome systems in the United States, one in Texas and one was somewhere else. Now, my question is, since we don't really have any anti-ballistic missile systems in the United States, why wouldn't we keep those here to protect us rather than give it to the Ukrainians? I mean, we've given them the Iron Dome. We've given them the Patriot systems. We have the THAAD system, which is Terminal High Altitude Air Defense System. There's only a couple of them. But why do we not protect the homeland? It's like we have opened ourselves up and we're just inviting them to do whatever they want when they want. And that bothers me. I don't know what they have planned. For sure, we all have ideas, but the Ukrainian Ukrainian problem is going to be over by August. I'm sure Putin yeah, said I, it was going to be. So it's kind of
0: Yeah, I think there are two things probably going on. One is not just leaving our homeland defenseless, because we know. A lot of the experts and folks that I've been following for almost 20 years now have been warning that there is going to come a day when we have a war on our own uh, land. I mean, that's just inevitable if, unless the Lord uh, intervenes, which He certainly might. um, But the the Luciferians have been plotting the downfall of America for many, many, many years, decades, and so this is this is part of that plan. So that could be, you know, one reason why they would. You know, take the Iron Dome away from here, but it could also be an indication that they're setting the stage for some type of global conflict. You know, possibly World War III, as many uh, forecasters are talking about, over in another part of the world. And so that's why we're sort of accumulating all the troops over there. But I wanted to ask you to clarify for our listeners. Uh, if you can, a little more detail about what the Iron Dome does. And also, if you could mention uh, the AWACS uh, planes and kind of what role they play in, you know, s- sort of military strategy.
1: Okay. The AWACS planes basically are airborne warning systems using different types of radar, sonar, etc., And they will watch the skies for a certain number of miles. They will detect enemy planes. They'll detect and keep track of... Allied planes, uh, they're, they're a forward warning system like the DEW line up in northern Canada, although the AWACS planes are airborne and the DEW system is based on the ground.
0: And and AWACS is A-W-A-C-S, I assume that's an acronym. And so I've heard them described almost like flying satellites. Is that sort of kind of the, they're just a well, they're, mobile they're, satellite system?
1: They're a regular airplane, but with probably the same capabilities, but they can get in closer. They can um adjust the height. And I think it's advanced warning. Aerial
0: advanced something
1: aerial command s- system or something like that. Yeah, I, think, I that's think
0: that's right. Yeah. Advanced. And they, they they look like they're planes, of course. They're 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 right. actual planes, but they have a uh disk-shaped uh round. It almost looks like a satellite kind of plopped right on top as, yes. as I picture them. Yeah. Yes. And by the way, a lot of people think, um, you know, the 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 mystery of the Malaysian flight MH370, I think it was, that still has never been found, although there were reports of it. There's, there's as always, there's another side to that story. Um, it's interesting that from the moment it disappeared from radar, there were two U.S. AWACS planes right there in the vicinity. And people have always wondered, hmm, what was going on there? So. Well, it kind
1: of kind of reminds you of some of the aircraft that were shut shut down by mistake by the Russians. The United States did it to an Iranian aircraft. So, you know, when you can't find it, you can't prove it. Yeah, right? exactly, exactly. But so back yeah. to the Iron Dome. So it's something entirely different altogether, right? Yes, the Iron Dome is a missile system. It consists of the Iron Dome. It consists of the David Sling and something Arrow. And they are basically different heights that they will affect. Iron Dome is for lower flying aircraft, missiles or whatever. David's Sling and the Sparrow, something Sparrow, go for different heights, different types of missiles. It's a very advanced, very uh, specialized system, very expensive. Um, I want to put this in here. It was developed between the United States and the Israelis and was Quite a while ago, actually. But we pay them to replenish their missiles. But they never want to give us any of their systems to use for us. I've always thought that was kind of strange. We paid for it. We helped develop it. But we can't use it. Now, I don't know what if they think that the Patriots, the Thad system are better or what. But I can tell you, if there was any goodwill between Russia and Israel left, with them putting the Iron Dome in Ukraine, it's over. Mm-hmm. Um, they are they are probably the best system out there. They are devastating. They are accurate, and um, as long as you can resupply them, they are um, they're, the, they're the best ones there. They're probably better than the Soviet S four hundred systems. And um, nice thing is Iron Dome, David Sling, and whatever Sparrow, uh, you can deploy them anywhere you want them they are not going to be just in one area they're movable so you can set up your air defenses wherever you want to Hmm. and um, it's probably one of the reasons nobody ever attacks israel in force or by a an actual state or country because they would have a hard time ever getting past their air defense systems Hmm. so it's a very good system um the israelis continue to go further and further away from the Turks, and from the Russians all the time. So again, we're setting up the Gog-Magog war. Something of interest everybody should watch right now are the elections in Turkey. Erdogan and the other gentlemen are basically at a tie, so they're going to have a runoff on the 28th of May. Then we're going to see who's going to be leading Turkey in the next four years, six years, whatever that term is. I would imagine that Erdogan will win I'm sure he's talked to Biden. Hillary Clinton found out how to adjust an election so you win to make it a selection instead of an election. So if he doesn't win, then you've got to look at the guy that's following up that could be president. How much is known about it? Supposedly a nice guy, is progressive. So we'll just kind of watch and see and uh, see how that affects the world. The Muslims and Putin really like Erdogan. And he's about as far gone from NATO as you can get without just tearing up the contract. So look for him to be gone shortly or to actually be more in control, I should say, and gone from NATO. Now, in Florida, they came up and they outlawed the CBDC last week. Well, now, all I can say is when you talk about election year theatrics, that's just exactly what it is. The CBDC is a federal program the Federal Reserve notes that we use for dollars for our fiat currency are the functional currency of the United States of America. Texas, Tennessee, and now it looks like Florida want to do it. They want to have something set up in their state constitution so they can allow gold. They can allow silver, and that can be used for buying, bartering, whatever, in a legal manner, and they'll have value set up. That's great. However, You will never get rid of the functional currency of the United States. Everybody, every state uses it. It's covered in the universal commercial code, the UCC. Basically, that is how contracts are handled, how disposition of goods are handled. And there is no method in there to have each state have its own currency or other means of payment. Uh, So they can say they ban it, but here's the problem. There are 4,250,000 elderly people on Social Security in Florida. They will be paid through the CBDC. They will be paid in the functional currency, as will the soldiers. Soldiers' pensions, railroad pensions, Medicare, Medicaid, and I could go on and on and on. That will be paid in the functional currency of the United States. So Florida can say, yeah, we banned it. Well, what are you going to do? You can't make up all the money those people just lost that I'm sure of. So you can't do that. So you're going to have to allow it. You're going to have to place have a place where it can be deposit, deposited and transacted. So like I said, smoke and mirrors. Don't believe it. It is not going to work. Um, uniform, uniform commercial code um, banning. The currency, the Federal Reserve Note, would uh, violate Articles 3, 4, 5, and 9. And I'll let everybody read those because they're long and involved. But basically, you know, when you have taxes that are reimbursed to the state from the federal government, it's going to be through their functional form of currency. It's not they're going to go out and create something different for Cal or for Florida. That is not going to happen. So anyway... I wouldn't worry too much about that. I think that is a non-starter, and it's going absolutely nowhere. The EU is going to be rolling out a digital wallet in 2024, and there are 447 million citizens there, and everybody's data will be basically in this wallet. All of your credit cards, all of your checking accounts, everything you can name is going to be a financial wallet. transaction harbinger daily had a nice article on it basically shows how it's going to be used why it's going to be done and um government says it's going to be voluntary so let's all believe that right (laughs) uh the eu came out what two weeks ago and said when the cbdc is in effect you will be able to remove no more than one thousand dollars a month that will be tracked And if you do, then that will be considered the gray market and you are subject to arrest and prosecution. So we'll call it voluntary for now. I think we all understand it's not gonna be voluntary for very long, okay? Um, Bad news on the financial fronts. The consumer debt is now at $17 trillion. The average age of a car on the street is 12.5 years. The average price of a new vehicle is $48,000. The average payment is $729 a month. 30% of the car loans are upside down and just about ready for foreclosure. Um, Problem is, and we mentioned this a month or five weeks ago, I said when the insurance companies start to have trouble, that's when to look out. Because the insurance companies provide most of the investable money to the banks. They're having problems. People are canceling their policies outright. The cost of repairs when you get into high-end cars, Teslas, Rolls, Royce, whatever, are so extreme, most of the companies have backed out of even insuring them. Uh, Interest rates and what the um, insurance companies have basically put all of their money into, treasuries, some stocks, low yielding. So when they need to bring in new capital, they're paying a lot more for it than what they're bringing in. And their losses this year have been pretty substantial with all the tornadoes. Now, if we have some major hurricanes or an earthquake or something like that, it could bring the insurance companies to their knees. When you take the trillions of dollars that they have invested and that is no longer available, the banks will have no money. They won't have any cash. They won't have any assets. It'll all be over. So we, we worry about what the Fed is doing and how they're going to do CBDC and everything else. But I think we forget some of the other parts of the economy that have a big bearing on this. So if you've got insurance for your vehicles, your home or whatever, make sure it is a viable, strong company. There are mutual companies, which are basically they invest in themselves and there are stock companies. Stock companies invest in the stock market. They can be purchased on the stock market. I've noticed I've got a bunch of them listed. They're all going down several percent a day. The insurance companies are based on a profit margin per year of 4.1%. When the losses, however they may be, the expenses exceed that, they're going to start going into receivership. And what happened in uh, Florida back during Katrina in those years, there were so many companies going belly up, people went to make a claim and there was no insurance company. Now, there are funds set up to take care of that, but they're they're like the FDIC. Right. Very little money in them. They're, there's very little money. What they have to do is go back and assess a charge against the standing insurance companies with money. Well, if you get $50 billion in losses and you start assessing that against the good companies, you're going to bring them down too.
0: Yeah. I mean, and- it's, there's no question that it's a house of cards right now. You know, the banking yep. system, the insurance industry, uh, the, you know, the types, the, the amounts of dollars that we're talking about here is almost unfathomable. And I think either one of those, uh, collapses obviously could be, you know, could be imminent, but, uh, but yeah, so let's uh, let's let's shift gears now, um, just for the sake of time. Talking with Randy, by the way, our uh, my good friend and colleague, kind of world events update, various things that are happening. But uh, we started something last week that we want to continue. Got a lot of great feedback, and that is uh, just spending a little bit of time at the end answering uh, two or three questions from listeners. So, have you got any questions uh,
1: this week, Randy? Yes, we certainly do. All right. What we would like you to do is describe the difference and what the uses are between dirty silver and bullion.
0: Yeah. So uh, when you when you th- think about uh, precious metals. There are various uh, classes of precious metals, and I've been kind of you know following this and researching it for many years. But uh, not a I'm not a metals dealer, nor am I a financial advisor. Uh, but uh, obviously, you've got your numismatic uh, metals or coins that are valuable simply because of their collectible value, and in some cases, the numismatic value is greater than the actual value of the silver or gold in the coin. Itself because they're rare, or they're extremely old, or they're extremely old and in great condition. So, uh, so you've got that whole you know side of things, kind of the coin collector realm. But in terms of an investment, you've got different types of silver. At the rudimentary level, you've got what's called silver bars or silver uh, rounds. Same thing with gold; you could have gold bullion bars and gold rounds. And these are just ninety nine point nine nine percent pure, either gold or silver uh, that are that are stamped out into either a coin looking round disc, about the size of a silver dollar, or small bars. Uh, and that's uh, you know that's one type of gold or silver to uh, to hold in your possession. But then you've got um, current uh silver coinage that has face value like an american eagle or a canadian uh, maple leaf those types of things that you know theoretically is actually could still be used in circulation because it has face value but the actual value of the silver or gold is greater than the face value so for example today uh, silver and gold or silver anyway has gone down Uh, somewhat precipitously, 3 or $4, $3 at least over the last week. Uh, That's interesting to me. Uh, But anyway, uh, currently silver is at about $23, $24 an ounce. So a silver dollar, an eagle, silver American eagle is worth a dollar face value, but it's worth $23, $24 in terms of the value of the silver. So a lot of people like to collect those. It's probably the most highly coveted coin because it's recognizable and and nobody questions its value. But the dirty silver that you referenced, that's a phrase, uh, kind of a colloquial phrase that's used to refer to what's often called 90% coins, and that refers to quarters, dimes, and half dollars minted before 1965, so 64 or earlier. They were actually made with 90% real silver, and so they too have value it's not 100% silver but 90% of that coin is made out of actual silver so a 25 cent a quarter you know might be worth 9 dollars in terms of the value uh, of the silver um half dollars you know you've got different types you'd have to look them up but the kennedy half dollars after what was it 70 70 or something. I don't have the number right in front of me. It's been a while since I've looked at it, but they were made out of 40% silver. Before that date, they were made out of 90% silver. So essentially, dirty silver or dirty coins refers to uh, silver coins that aren't 100% silver, but they have enough silver in them to be more valuable than the face value of uh, the coin. From our perspective. You know, I look at it not from an investment standpoint, but more from a preparedness standpoint. And I think the best type of coin and silver that you can have, if it gets to the point where, you know, you need it for bartering, it's sort of an end of the world as we know it scenario, the economy's collapsed, and you're just basically talking to neighbors or nearby people to trade, you know, good for good or service for service, that type of thing. Uh, If you need something to barter with, dirty silver is really uh, one of the best because everybody knows what a dime looks like or what a quarter looks like or what a half dollar looks like. And so you're not going to have them questioning, is this really a silver round? Even though it looks nice and shiny, they they may or may not believe you when you say, yeah, it's 99.9% silver, but they'll know what a quarter is. And So, uh, you know, you can purchase so-called dirty silver from your metals dealers. Uh, They are the highest premium, uh, really, because they're in such demand and there's a very limited supply of it. But uh, that's certainly a good thing to have on hand as part of your preparedness kit. Any type of precious metal is good to have because you know, you can, it has inherent value, gold and silver. But from a bartering perspective, having those pre-1965 quarters and dimes and half dollars is, uh, is really important, I think.
1: Okay, and the last question we have is, Stephen Hawking, many years ago, had talked about a holographic universe. Now, Stephen Hawking was an avowed atheist. He is no longer with us. And I haven't heard anybody until the last week actually bring this stuff up so what is the holographic universe and what is your opinion of it
0: yeah hawking of course died what five years ago or so four or five years ago Uh, but uh, the whole concept of a holographic universe came up in i think it was the late 1990s and it was related to a lot of stuff that's way beyond my pay grade and my area of expertise, you know, quantum physics and black holes and things like this, but it's a theory like all of uh, atheistic science that is attempting to explain the origin of the universe apart from a biblical worldview. Now, we believe the Bible is God's way of unveiling to us how He created this world. The book of Genesis is, as the name implies, the book of beginnings, and it's Uh, where God explains how the world came into existence, and He spoke the world into existence in six literal 24-hour days uh, out of nothing. Uh, God eternally exists in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Everything else in the universe apart from the triune God is created. That includes uh, the earth, materials, animals, uh, obviously angels, any and every other you know, angelic being, human beings, animals, plants, stars, sun, universe, all galaxy, all of that is a creation of God out of nothing. Um, But yeah, there are still quite a lot of uh, scientists and physicists out there exploring the notion of a holographic universe and uh, sort of lay scientists and enthusiasts in, you know, the realm of uh, quantum physics and stuff have latched onto it. And again, you know, try to, um, you know, correlate it to the to the origin of the universe. But, um, you know, I would stick with the Bible.
1: <laughs> yeah, I would too. I, I think that would be a very, very good idea right now. Okay. Now, if you want to send me some questions that we can Discuss like this, or you want me to send you, or you have questions for me, or you want copies of some of the emails I send. I've got five spots left because the server stops at 2000 and after that we're done. So that email is rmensa57 at AOL.com. R is in Randy, M is in Mary, E is in Edward, N is in Nancy, S is in Sam, A is in Adam, 57 at aol. Dot com, And when you send questions for pastor, make sure they're difficult, they're stimulating, and we can understand them.
0: I'll take the easy ones. You take the hard ones. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, please do feel free to reach out. One more question I just want to throw in here at the end um, that uh, we've gotten is uh, people have pointed out that in some commentaries that you read and some articles out there about the mark of the beast, Revelation 13, you, you'll hear some talk of, Uh, the number 666, but also the number 616. And I remember studying this when I was doing my PhD work. Uh, There are some uh, text, what's called textual variants, uh, you know, manuscript fragments of the book of Revelation that we have, you know, going back centuries, uh, that do list the number there as six. 1-6, but there are very, very few of them, and they're not highly attested, and the preponderance of the, you know, evidence from textual critics is that uh, indeed 666 is the original number that was listed there in uh, Revelation chapter 13. So w- not a big deal, you know, sometimes skeptics and critics will say, you know, you, you're talking about 666, but really the number 616, you don't even know what the number is to try to discredit the Bible but uh, there are lots of examples of textual variants where scribes over the last 2,000 years since the New Testament was written have copied various portions of the New Testament, and the scribes themselves are not infallible. They weren't carried along by the Holy Spirit like the original authors were, and so they might make what we might call today typographical errors, and a typographical error in no way impugns the the autograph, the original document, uh, and uh, I think the best evidence is the original document there clearly had 666. So with that, Randy, we will uh, call it a wrap for today's show. Very informative, as always. I want to remind folks, uh, two great podcasts coming Thursday and Friday. Tomorrow, a new guest on the program will be talking about Satan's Fall. I had several questions about that, Recently, how does that relate to the gap, the so-called gap theory? Uh, we'll talk about the Nephilim some more with a new guest. I know you'll enjoy meeting him tomorrow, and then uh, we will have that posted by you know middle of the afternoon tomorrow. And then on Friday, Shane's rejoining me, uh, uh, my technology expert and friend, to talk about some updates and some of the latest goings-on in the world of AI and other technological advancements. Encourage you to check out notbyworks.org. Lots of great resources there, tons of videos, hundreds of videos, audio files, devotionals that you can read. We also have posted on our uh, highlight carousel there, the promo carousel. Uh, it's worth, if you go to our website, it's worth scrolling through that highlight carousel. We have you know 15 or 20 slides on there that are highlighting various resources and things that you might want to check out, including upcoming events, latest uh, podcasts and videos, uh, devotional articles, other links to different resources. But one of the things on that highlight carousel that I mentioned recently is our Bible study methods course uh, that is available through Not By Works. Remember, I taught for 12 years uh, in a formal academic setting at the baccalaureate and graduate levels, and uh, so I took my Bible study methods course on how to study the Bible, turned it into 15 weeks. It's got all the usual notes and resources and lectures, audio lectures, all available there uh, for you. If you're interested in uh, purchasing that course and taking it, it's self-driven, self-governed. I'm available as part of the course uh, by appointment to talk about various questions you may have, but you work at your own pace, and uh, very, very helpful tool for learning how to correctly handle the word of God. So Randy, thanks again uh for being with us. Uh encourage uh, folks to to check uh, uh you know email you in fact send send him thousands of emails in fact post his email address on Facebook and encourage far and wide people uh, no I'm just kidding but he is gracious to try to respond to those uh to those emails if he can so Randy thanks so much hope you have a great rest of the week
1: have a safe trip back
0: you bet yeah well as soon as we're done here we're gonna hit the road and should be back home uh, there in colorado later this afternoon so god bless you everyone thanks for listening and we'll see you next time